0: One of the big winners of last Tuesday's federal budget were motorists when Josh Frydenberg announced a 22 cent per litre cut in fuel excise. But what really is the fuel excise tax and what is it used for? And was it the right economic choice to cut back on fuel excise while petrol is so expensive? I'm Kat Clay and here to shed some light on the fuel excise tax and what governments can do to bring down petrol prices I'm Marian Terrell, Transport and Cities Program Director, and Lachlan Fox, Associate. Welcome to you both. Thanks, Kat. G'day, Kat. So, Marion, why are prices so high to begin with, and, and why has this become a political issue? So prices are high for a combination of reasons. We buy
1: um, most of our petrol offshore, but even when we refine it onshore, we buy the feedstock offshore. There's a lot of volatility in petrol prices or oil prices on global markets, Part of it, of course, is the war in Ukraine, but prices had already started rising from the 1st of December 2021. They spiked in on the 8th of March um, and are now coming down somewhat, but it's a very volatile price. One of the things about petrol prices, though, is that they're very salient for people. So even though the, what we've seen in the budget is likely to save households $300 in total, Nevertheless, we drive past or go past petrol stations and you see the price up in lights. So people are very aware of it. And I think that's one of the reasons why, even though the actual dollars involved for households are not that high, it feels very raw to people.
0: So these past few weeks, I have been crying a little bit at the petrol pump because my beautiful four-wheel drive, who I've discussed on this podcast before, has been costing me about $100 to fill up the tank. Now, this morning when I filled up, the petrol was back down around the $1.81 mark, and I was pleasantly surprised to see it a little bit cheaper uh, with the fuel excise cuts. As a general road user, I'm excited by this, but I don't actually know what the fuel excise tax is. Is this used to pay for the roads we drive on?
2: So I, th- I think that story kind of a lot of people relate to at the moment. I think most general road users would have noticed that petrol's very expensive, and definitely when they fill up at the bowser, They'd see some eye watering signs come back when they go to tap their credit card. But fuel excise is only a portion of this. So the way fuel excise works is per litre of petrol, the government charges a flat fee of around about 44 cents per litre at the moment. And so in the budget, they have halved that figure. So instead of paying an extra 44 cents per litre of petrol or diesel, it's the same, you'll now pay 22 cents. And so that is a, a big drop which should be reflected in fuel prices. And it's good to see, it sounds like it's been reflected in some of the fuel prices you've had already. But but it is a very expensive exercise. By reducing the fuel excise by 22 cents, it's gonna cost quite a lot of money. I, I think there is a bit of a misconception that fuel excise pays for the roads that we drive on. It's not necessarily true. The fuel excise tax is partly a tax to raise revenue, but it's also a tax levied purely on burning fuel. And now there's, there's a lot of harms caused by burning fuel. Some of, some of the damage that's caused is that it pushes our cars along and our cars damage roads and need roads. And so we need to put money into building those roads in the first place. It's not necessarily true, though, that fuel excise is tied to building roads. It goes into the general revenue pool, which then governments can decide to divvy up how they like. And the other thing I think that's important to note is that there are many costs that are created by burning fuel. Requiring roads and needing to upgrade roads is one of the costs because fuel is typically used in our cars, but it's not the only one. A really large part of the cost that society bears by burning fuel isn't related to roads at all, and it's related to pollution and the health costs that pollution causes, as well as carbon emissions and that sort of thing. So it makes sense for the revenue generated from taxing fuel use to go into supporting the whole revenue system. And supporting things like the health system and emissions reductions efforts, as opposed to purely supporting road infrastructure and building more road infrastructure.
0: So, Lucky, it's not just about repairing the road from all the burnouts I did in lockdown.
2: No, although I think even if you tried to do as many burnouts as you could, you'd probably be causing a lot less damage in your car than a normal truck would cause on the roads anyway.
0: So, Marion, the government has cut fuel excise in half for six months. And when we were chatting earlier in the office, we'd been speculating about how much it could potentially be. But I think we were all taken aback when we saw it cut by a whopping 22 cents per litre. How much is this going to cost the government? The
1: headline um, is that it's going to cost us $3 billion. That's made, it's got two components to it. Part of it is, um, and that's to do with the structure of fuel excise. So, the amount, uh, there'll be a reduction in tax receipts in fuel excise of $5.6 billion. And that's what we see, it's just a cut in the tax. But there's also a reduction in receipts or, or payments out. Now, what this is, is the fuel tax credit. The fuel tax credit is um, paid. Uh, to businesses that are operating either heavy vehicles, which by which I mean more than four and a half tons, or light vehicles that only operate off-road, so for in those cases the fuel excise is rebated to the business, and the re, uh, the reduction in the rebates paid out is worth two point seven billion. So that's how we end up at three billion. The combination of those two factors, it is time limited. Um, it will be very interesting to see what an incoming government of whichever persuasion decides to do in September when it expires because it's a lot easier to cut a tax than to put it back on.
0: I mean, this leads me to ask, I mean, is it a good idea to be slashing taxes right now? Won't we need the money from fuel excise to fund infrastructure projects to stimulate the post-pandemic economy?
2: Yeah, so I think what we've seen in the budget is that there, we are in a lot of debt and there is a lot that needs to be clawed back and it's going to have to be paid at at some point, particularly I think given that the government has got some more windfalls from things like commodity prices in the budget and an election is coming up, they've thought it is worthwhile to try and instead of bank some of that savings to try and spend it, which I don't necessarily think is the best position when the gains from, say, slashing fuel excises aren't long-term productivity gains. We're not looking at creating you know, long-run gains for Australians. It's really short-term things which are aimed at uh, the hip pocket and I think are, are probably uh, are influenced by the upcoming election, at least to, to some degree. And as Marion mentioned, the cost is very significant. It's going to cost us over $3 billion over the next six months. Really, I think the one thing that we need to remember is that there are lots of different taxes and, and we need to raise revenue some way. Um, And in the scheme of things, the fuel excise tax is a relatively good tax compared to some of the other options we have. And it's a pretty good tax because it doesn't really affect many people's behaviour. Driving for a lot of people is something that's relatively um, hard to avoid. We might have to drive to work. We might have to drive to pick up kids from school. And because of that, when fuel prices increase, we don't have a lot of scope to change our behaviour. And in sort of the world of taxing, this is good because it means that it's a good source of raising revenue. And so what we see is that around about a ten percent change to the price of fuel will probably only result in about a one or one and a half percent change in people's consumption of fuel. So in the longer term, people have a bit more scope to change their behaviour. They can choose to move house or catch the train to work or change sort of a few more broader aspects about the way they sort of choose to live their lives and and these changes when they happen over the long term also tend to be a good thing because they reduce our dependence on fuel and reduce sort of the pollution that's produced by burning fuel in the first place.
0: I know me personally and my husband, we've been trying to ride our bikes everywhere, walk to the shops, but there's still those moments you can't avoid. I mean, you can't do a full, you know, shopping run without a car. It's it's very difficult to stick that on the back of your bike. Although I managed a Bunnings run with my bicycle basket the other day. So I felt very proud. I mean, Marion, what do industry and automotive organisations think about these changes? There's been a mixed reaction. I think
1: generally people do think that cutting fuel excise um, isn't a great idea. And the re- one of the key reasons is that in the absence of an economy-wide carbon tax, this is a tax on emissions from driving. Not a perfect one by any means, but it does have that function. You know, it's true that the adaptation to a lower emissions economy does have some pain in it. I think one of the key issues is who specifically is bearing that pain. And we've had a bit of a look at this. I'd preface this by saying averages do mask a lot of variety and there's lots of different um, circumstances that people are in. But in broad terms, what we've found is car ownership rates do increase with income. Only about 25% of of lower income households have got two cars or more whereas 80% of higher income households have two cars or more. And generally speaking, higher income households do spend more on petrol. When you think about who is getting cost of living relief, fuel excise is not a a very well-targeted instrument to deliver it. Um, It does give relief to some lower income households and it also gives relief to higher income households. It gives relief to households um, that drive, but not households facing um, higher costs in other spheres of life. I think a lot of the commentary has been a little bit negative, even though people um, who do drive are pretty happy to get a tax cut when they do so.
0: So, Lockie, I mean, coming back to these high petrol prices, there are many solutions that governments could be looking at to help consumers here that isn't just cutting fuel excise. Is the solution perhaps to reduce our dependence on oil rather than subsidise fuel prices?
2: Yeah, so I think you're exactly right. Look, to be frank, there's not a lot that governments can do in the short term, aside from cutting fuel excise to reduce the costs of petrol for everyday families. If if we're more concerned about cost of living, particularly for those on lower incomes, it would probably be a lot wiser to instead of cut fuel excise and see a lot of these windfall gains going to um, households earning more. To do something more targeted, if that really is is a concern for the government. To be frank, aside from that. It, it, we are sort of at the last minute and we are trying to fix a, a problem that's arisen you know a couple of minutes after it's happened and in reality i think governments really need to prepare in the much longer term and probably should have prepared a long while ago to try and reduce the the risk of this happening and so there's a few ways governments could go about trying to fix this for the longer term and, and one of these is really to try and as you mentioned reduce our dependence on oil because we import so much of our oil and it, and petrol, um, basically we're really at risk of things that happen overseas. If there's a crisis overseas, if there's a war overseas and petrol prices and oil prices jump up, we're going to feel that effect. And so what we could be doing instead is trying to sort of wean ourselves off this dependence. And we've got a really clear way to do it. And that's to encourage Australians to buy more fuel efficient cars, to buy hybrids and particularly to buy electric vehicles. So there's a few ways to do this. One is the approach that state governments have often taken around subsidies, which is a relatively expensive way. But they could also do other things like put in better emissions standards, um, sometimes called an emission ceiling, which encourages manufacturers to bring more efficient cars to market. And, and all these things would really help household budgets as well. Once we start to get more Australians into hybrids, more Australians into electric vehicles, their household budget is going to be less dependent on the cost of petrol. Um, And so they're going to be much more resistant to any price hikes and and sort of external shocks that happen in the future.
0: And the Transport and Cities team has done significant research into many of these options. And that research is available on our website at grattan.edu.au. And I'd particularly direct you to the Grattan car plan, which talks about how we can introduce more EVs into the Australian market. Thank you so much, Marion and Lockie, for your excellent discussion on fuel excise. I now know what it is and why it's important. If you'd like to continue the conversation with us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Grattan Inst and on all other social media channels at Grattan Institute. Likewise, we rely on donations from lovely listeners like you. We're a not-for-profit organisation. And we'd really appreciate your support at grattaneduau forward slash donate. As always, please take care and thanks so much for listening.